Hello and welcome to Once Everything Changed, the podcast where we hope to encourage and inspire you with testimonies from everyday people and how Jesus changed their mind, their heart, and their life. My name is Sergey, and on today's episode, we have my friend Jacob Grozov. Welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. God bless. So we wanted to, uh, this is episode number one, and we I wanted to give a little short backstory of kind of how this came to be and got started. Um, we have some uh, Christian friends, all who have very radical uh, conversion testimonies, and before everyone, most of us got married and had kids and started families and stuff, there was this idea that wouldn't it be awesome if all of us can just get into one place, maybe have a bonfire or something, you know, because we have people kind of all over the U.S. at this point, and everyone can just take an hour or so and just share their personal testimony, um, and we can just go around the circle and, and, and how awesome that would be. And now that everyone's kind of been scattered and, and busy with family and kids and wives and stuff, uh, that's kind of been harder and harder to do. So we st- I decided I think it would be a great idea to try to do a podcast um, where I can interview each individual and then we can just kind of just send links to 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 people and, and inspire them and encourage them. Um, so this is kind of how this came to be. And uh, I just wanted to give a short shout out. Uh, it's probably going to be the only one I'm going to do to uh, a man named John, uh, who actually really blessed me with this recording interface, um, which is if it, it, those who don't really know audio, um, an interface is the thing, the box that you plug the microphone into, and then it converts that signal to digital, and then you can use it on your computer and. That's basically how you record something. Um, and I was searching for something like this. Um, and most of the time, they're pretty expensive. And when I met this guy, a uh, young guy, John, um, he uh, he asked me what the podcast was going to be about. And when I told him that it was Christian testimonies, um, and uh, he seemed really uh, inspired by that. Uh, and so he just decided to gift me this device Um because of the purpose of what we were going to use it for. And it just really touched me a lot. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you, John, if you're going to be listening to this. John, God bless you. Much appreciated your uh, desire to want to bless this opportunity and this um, new beginning. And uh, I pray that uh, you would understand the love of God and what Jesus has done for you. And I pray that you would receive him in your life and when you listen to this, may you understand that uh, the Lord has a plan with your life. There's a purpose for you being alive, and we believe that uh, nothing is by circumstances or um, you know our own doing, but God is in control of everything. So God bless you, and much appreciated. Awesome. So Jacob, let's start with your story. Um, I guess the first question I'm going to ask everybody is, uh, what did you believe about God growing up? Yeah, so... Um, I grew up in a a Christian family. My parents are both believers. Um, I grew up Romanian Pentecostal. Um, my parents are from Romania. They immigrated here. Um, and they ended up getting married here. I'm the oldest of seven children. And, um, yeah, I grew up in a believing home, you know, where 
Sunday we would go to uh, a local um, congregation, you know, Romanian Pentecostal church, and um, grew up with um, hearing about God and hearing about Jesus and hearing about um, the Bible and, you know, going to Sunday school and that whole thing in terms of, um, I guess you would say, the, the Christian upbringing in uh, in North America. So, um, yeah, it was a very interesting upbringing, being the child of, an Im- of immigrants. Um, and uh, I know you can relate to that. But, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was a very interesting upbringing, for sure. It definitely changes your worldview. You know, shapes shapes your worldview. Yeah, it was where you come from. It was uh, it was something. You know, growing up, I grew up. Uh, I was actually born in California, L.A. area, and my parents, when I was a year old, moved to Portland, Oregon, um, to a actually a city right outside of Portland, and which I believe now, uh, thirty three years later, that that was uh, God's plan. Um, but, um, growing up, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was really interesting because I didn't really fit in from Mm. the beginning. Mm. It was, it was, um, the child of an immigrant, of immigrant parents, you know, going up to predominantly, um, Caucasian school, mostly white people. And it was, um, yeah, just, the whole upbringing was very centered around culture. It was centered around I'm Romanian. And then part two would be I'm Pentecostal. You know, that Mm -hmm. was the, that was the identity, you know, for me and, um, or what I was taught by my parents. And that's what they knew. You know, my parents, they both speak English, but they have quite heavy accents. So I grew up, um, with my parents, um, teaching me, Good things, you know, moral things, things about God, things about the Bible, and um, good people. Yeah, they were good people. They weren't, you know, they were trying their best to raise, um, to raise children in a foreign country. You know, they were brought up in communism. You know, my mother actually, little backstory, she spent two weeks in communist prison when she was fourteen years old for passing out Bibles, mm. um, and. Corey, Corey Tenboom. Yeah, yeah. It was it was some serious stuff. It was um my my grandfather was a pastor and he would uh he was passing out Bibles and my my mother one day uh decided to go with him and little did she know that she would get arrested. Mm. You know, she was not born again at this point. She had not chosen to uh fully surrender to Jesus and um but she was a good girl and went to church, you know, and did all that. And she said, one day, oh, I'm going to go with him and pass out Bibles. Little did she know she would get arrested that day. Mm. And they put a 14-year-old girl in a communist prison for two weeks. So when she got out of prison, so during that two weeks, she just realized, like, this is super serious. Like, my father's faith or the faith that I'm being brought up in is real. Like, I'm in prison right now at 14 years old. And so she, when she got out of prison she made the choice to give her life to Jesus and her whole life changed. And, um, yeah. So she, I remember her sharing that with me when I was a child. I mean, when I was able to understand and, um, yeah. So with that being said, they, they were trying their best, you know, to teach us good things. So that was her moment. Once everything changed, that was her moment for once everything changed for her. Yeah. And then my father grew up, um, 
his parents, 90% of Romania's Orthodox, they would be uh, Greek Orthodox. And so uh, my dad was actually baptized as a baby into the Orthodox Church. My mother was not. My, her parents had already converted. And my dad's parents converted right after he was born and baptized. And then he was brought up Pentecostal as well. So they tried their best. They really tried their best. And um, I can say I had a good upbringing. I, I can say that I had loving parents. Um that tried their very best to provide um, a safe environment where they were able to teach us as best as they knew or as they could about who God was and morality, like what it means to be a good person. So, um, but like with any story, something happens. And I I was always a good kid, I can say, um, up to a certain age, you know, like most young boys, full of energy, um, loved, uh, I was, so being the oldest, um, I was really close with both my parents cause there was no other children to compete with until my, my sister came along, but I was very close to my dad at a young age. And my mom even says stories how I would always want to be with him and doing what he wanted to do, you know, like follow his example. And so my dad, he worked, um, he was an electrician in Romania and then he ended up, um, he ended up working as, as an electrician here in the States. And it was at a young age that he ended up like getting really, really busy with work, you know, and obviously more children started coming along and, um, we weren't spending as much time together. My dad was working like six days a week, you know, 10 hour shifts, 12 hour shifts, sometimes, um, driving multiple hours to, get to work. So Sunday was the family day. So Sunday was get ready. 9am is when uh hour of prayer starts at the Romanian Pentecostal church. We would all get up, get ready, get dressed uh, with the nicest clothes we had and go to church. And that was our experience. And then we'd go again in the evening. Um, and it was a nice little routine, you know. We knew Sunday was God's day. That's what we were, that's what we were taught. And so up to a certain age, I was very respectful of that and I appreciated that and I loved going to Sunday school and learning and reading and um you know, probably about until 8 or 9 years old and then at that point in my life um again, I'm a foreigner. I had an accent till I was like maybe six years old. I would get made fun of at school, which maybe you were, you probably experienced something similar, but, um, it was wanting to fit in. You know, there was a desire to want to fit in everybody around me. You know, they knew about what was going on at that time. The, the, the television, whatever was popular on television or movies, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's every immigrant's heart cry to be fit in. Yeah, every immigrant child wants to be American, you know, wants to fit in and feel welcomed. And so here I am surrounded by all these um, majority Caucasian, you know, and I, I lived like more of a rural type area. And they all had like, they knew everything. Like they knew everything concerning entertainment and movies and, and style, music and yeah. style and clothing. And I'm over here like my mom's buying me my clothes and I don't know what, you know, she's just buying me whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, concerning like entertainment, you know, we had like a television in the house, but my parents would only let us watch certain things, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they were trying, my mom tried to be as, um, you know, as protective as possible, but 
the influence from school, man, it got to the point where it was um, almost like being surrounded and like walking into like a thick presence. It got thicker and thicker as time would go on in, in the sense of like just the world, like worldliness, you know. And I remember I would ride the bus home from school and um, hearing like secular music pl- being played, you know, worldly music being played and all the kids on the bus, they all knew the songs, mm. you know. And I, uh, I, grew up, I grew up in a musical family. My dad's a, a musician and sings and my, my dad plays the accordion, which is like a very, uh, for our listeners, accordion is like the, uh, the staple instrument in uh, the Romanian culture. And my mom sings like beautifully. She's, she's great. And my dad sings as well. So I grew up with music and singing. And I, all I knew was church songs. All I knew was these Romanian church songs. And some English, but mostly Romanian. And here I am on the bus and everybody's singing like these worldly songs. It just sounded so good. And they had, they all knew the words and they're like dancing. And like I'm sitting there like, man, I don't know this stuff. I didn't even know what, you know, what it was like the like i knew that it was on the radio but i didn't know the radio stations i didn't know any of that stuff and so slowly but surely my my heart and my desire was man i want to be like that Mm. i want to be i want to be connected to this stuff and so i i remember there was i think it was like fourth grade so nine years old or so so. Mm. third fourth grade nine about nine ten years old um at this point you know, I fell in love with like what I was being exposed to, and um, I had a lot of friends that like were like, "Hey, you should come over sometime," you know. And I was like, "Come over? Like, what do you mean? Like, I, I don't know. I got to ask my parents. Ask my mom. Mom, can I go over to my friend's house?" And my mom was like, "Well, I want to meet his his parents," you know. Mm-hmm. So my mom you know, somehow got in contact with the school and found out who the parents were and she met up and I remember I had a friend and my mom uh, became friends with her mom. So she was like, oh yeah, let's let's have the ki- the boys play together. We were like eight or nine years old, you know, I think like third grade. And um, we were friends and I remember my mom, she was allowing me to go over there to his house, you know, and I'd go over there for like on a Saturday for an afternoon. But there was one afternoon that I went over there and there was an older kid from the neighborhood that was there. He was about 12 or 13. And we ended up, uh, I went into their house and we're hanging out and my friend and the older kid, we go, I go in the room and they pull out pornography. Mm. They pull out magazines Mm -hmm. and I had never seen anything like that. I was eight, eight or nine years old. I had no idea what that was. I mean, obviously I knew it was, nudity you know and i knew it was wrong you know in my heart i knew like man this is not good and um we 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 looked at that stuff and we we did perverted things you know and it was something that like stuck with me after that like the images and the the feeling you know that i had physically and 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 and, and spiritually inside of me like that perverted feeling it was there and i was like man what is this you know but i i never told my my parents obviously i was like I can't tell my parents I just looked at pornography, you know. I didn't know what that I didn't know the word at the time obviously, but I was like, man, this is crazy. And so like I said during that time a lot of things, a lot of doors were open in terms of pornography and then the worldly music um and I I I became really um like any young boy that wants to be active and play sports and I became 
I really love basketball. I got, I started playing basketball like on a team. Like my parents signed me up um, to play basketball, and that was for me was like my um, that was my joy. You know, like man, I'm on a team. I'm a part of something. You know, because I was the oldest, so all my younger siblings, I was like, oh, they're young. They don't. I didn't. You know, I didn't want to hang out with them. I wanted to hang out with the the boys around my age. So I'm like nine years old, and my dad. So my dad is working like full time at, at during this these these years, and this is something that influenced me a lot. Was we would have basketball games, and all the children's parents would be at the games, but my parents weren't there. Mm. My dad was working because he would be working. He'd want to get home till seven eight o'clock. Game would be at six. He wouldn't be there. My mom, she had, at that time, I think I had, my I think I had my twin siblings were born. So my mom had five other children besides me that she had to take care of. So my mom, how is she going to bring all these children, these young children to a game, you know? So I would have one of the coach, the coach would come pick me up or whatever. And I remember just struggling so hard with the idea that, why does everybody, why do the, all the other, why do all my teammates, everyone around me, their parents are there, their dad is there cheering them on, and my parents are not there? Mm-hmm. And it messed me up big time emotionally. And it started, that's where there was a seed planted in me, I could say, of hatred mm-hmm. towards my father. You weren't like being like rational, like, oh, he's working, you know, I understand. No, I didn't. I mean, for me, it was like, man, this is important to me. And then we had games even on weekends sometimes, like Saturday, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And then he would just find out. I'd come home and I would tell him about it, and he'd be tired from work. And I, now I understand being an adult and <laughs> being a Christian as well. But at the time, it was like, man, like, does he not care? Mm-hmm. Does he not love me? You know, like everyone else's dads are there. Everyone else's dads are bringing them Gatorade and. Yeah. Back then, they had the power bar uh, snacks and all this stuff. I, I didn't have any of that. Yeah, he's not showing it through those yeah, ways. Yeah, you know, and so, like I said, around that time, eight, nine years old, maybe 10, around those few years, it was critical. It was so, such a critical time that I needed love and affirmation and, and uh, support, and I didn't believe I was getting it from my parents, mm-hmm. especially my dad. And my mom, I feel like she didn't understand me being like a, a mom, you know? I wanted like my dad, like I'm a young young boy, you know, at this point. So yeah, I want... Role model, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it got to the point where I started trying to find that in, in other things, you know? Trying to find love and affirmation and... Comfort. Comfort mm-hmm. in other things. And that was found, for me, it was worldly music mm-hmm. as being someone that loves music. At that time, I remember... I would, uh, I got like a little radio. My parents had a little radio, and I would hide outside because my I didn't want my parents to hear me listening to worldly music. And I would put it on the thing, and I would just listen for like you know however long until my mom or dad would call me to help them with something, like on the weekends. And then during the week, obviously, I was at school. I had basketball going on, and then uh, hanging out with friends. I started learning about cussing and swear words you know i had no i i didn't know about that kind of stuff like mm. i never heard my parents use those type of 
you know, use profanity. So I heard my, you know, my friends start using these words. And I was like, man, what does that mean? You know, they would tell me because they kind of all knew like, oh, he, he's like the immigrant kid. You know, he's the kid that uh, his parents talk funny. They would always, <laughs> it was, it was funny because they would always, whenever my mom would be around or, or they would see my parents, they knew like my parents had the accent. So they would all like make fun of it. And that kind of, I would kind of go along with it because I wanted to fit in, but deep down, I'm like, man, why are they making fun of my parents and the way they talk, you know? But mm-hmm. they were, you know, 10-year-old boys at that time. So worldly music was a huge um, open door for these feelings and these emotions. You know, I would listen to these artists that would talk about, you know, worldly things and perverted things, and I would want to experience that and be like, man, I want that. You know, I want to experience that and be cool and have you know i want to have that that uh character you know like that that personality you know and so slowly but surely like it started to manifest like at school you know i started becoming really popular and i would use like um i get i believe the god-given gifts that i have you know like singing or being just charismatic funny i was like the i was always the class clown so to speak especially because i didn't really know all the little jokes, I would kind of like say stuff, but not really know, just hope that it would land, you know, kind of like put a joke out there and be like, man, I hope this is funny and people laugh. And so fourth, fifth grade, like I said, 10, 11 years old, 10 years old, um, you know, I'm starting to be real, real cool and, and, and popular. And then I get into middle school and then that was like a whole nother level of where things really started to change for me in middle school. And I became really rebellious um, I was not a good brother. Mm. I was not a good older brother. In fact, I was probably as bad as it could be mm. because I struggled with like hatred towards my dad and feeling like out of place because of immigrant parents. And then obviously all the worldliness that I was being exposed to at school and desiring to be a part of, like I had a lot of anger and bitterness and hatred in me and I would take it out on my siblings. Mm. I really would. And it's shameful to think about. Thank God that that was the past, but I was not a good older brother at all. I would, you know, beat them and, 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 um, you know, emotionally abuse them, you know, and, and with words and putting them down and, you know, um, it was really bad. It was really, it, it got, it started getting really dark around that time, probably like sixth grade. Um, to like bully all the bully yeah big time bully man just mean you know like lashing out you know and at this point my mom and dad they were they were trying their best to to you know we're still going to church at this point we're still involved in the romanian pentecostal church you're still going to church i'm still going to church this whole time and i am the best actor there i guaranteed i didn't fit in because the church um, culture in the church culture yeah because I wanted to be cool and everyone around me that was involved, like all the kids were involved like in band and like uh, church, like little kids choir and Sunday school and all that. And I would, I would go, but like I would just be staring at the clock. Like when is this boring stuff over? Like when is this guy going to stop preaching and you know, whatever. And I would go for my parents cause I didn't really have a choice, you know, like mm-hmm. you grew up in an immigrant house. You're going to do what your parents say most of the time. Right, right. So my parents are like, look, we're going to church. We start, we would go. But my heart was not there, but I would pretend like it was. I would pretend because I didn't want my parents to find out about my lifestyle, mm-hmm. especially when, like I said, I got exposed to pornography 
And then other perverted things started following along with that in terms of, you know, like masturbation mm. and, you know, just perversion, you know, desiring to, to be intimate with a woman. And so I didn't want my parents to find out about that stuff. And I hid it very well. I mean, I tell everybody now, immigrant parents are the easiest to fool, <laughs> which is, uh, I think they've gotten better since my parents, my parents were like fresh off the boat type of immigrant parents. I think now with the internet and, um, you know, society in general yeah thing, things are different my kgb dad would disagree with you heavily oh yeah i'm sure he would but see my parents were like my dad's like i gotta work and provide for my family mom's like i got seven kids i gotta take care of i'm the oldest and i'm just acting wild and they have no idea mm-hmm. you know they see me coming to church and for them that was enough right and so i'm living a double life at this point sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade i'm living a double life i want to touch on something there's something that a brother that that we know um, that um, I've spoken to about a lot is how crucial that age range is from about 10 to 12, 13 years old. I remember like, you know, summertime, you get out of school, right? Like in June or whatever, and you go back to school in September. That summer was so crucial to like a young person, like their identity or their choices or who they wanted to be because they would come back the ne- like in September and be totally different. Mm. And so I, I remember talking with the brother, like how crucial it is in that age range of 10 to 13 years old for a young person to actually make a choice and be presented with the, the real gospel and the real opportunity to know like Jesus is calling you. Give your life to Jesus now. When you're 10, 11, 12, 13, don't wait until, you know, bad stuff happens to you. Like now is the time because the choices that are made at that age range are so um, significant in terms of making choices at 10 to 13 is going to almost solidify who you're going to be when you're 18 to 21 or 21 to 25 or whatever. And so at that time is when things were getting really bad for me, like the worldliness was really bad the perversion, hanging out with friends, you know, just being totally two different people. On Sunday, I was pretending to be a Christian. And, you know, even at school, I would still pretend to be a Christian because that's what I was taught. And I had a a certain sense of morality. Like I always, always had a a place in my heart for like the people that were marginalized. Um, Like when I was in school, there were like, there was a, a group of people that were like mentally disabled. And I always had a heart for them. And I remember, I remember there was this young kid, and everyone would make fun of him because he had a a, a a mental issue, and he would walk funny and and and, and kind of drool and stuff. And I remember I would just look at him and be like almost crying, like, and I would kind of in my heart be like, God, like why, like why does this kid? I remember his name was Reuben, and he would kind of walk around. I forgot what condition he had, but um, his hands would be up at his like um, curled up at his chest, almost like a like the t-rex dinosaur like Mm -hmm. and people would call him that and make fun of him and i remember being broken and being like man why like why is he like why does he have to go through this you know and just so these thoughts were always in my mind but when i was around friends and around school and 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 i wanted to be somebody i wanted to be the most popular the funniest the most talented and i wanted to find fulfillment and love amongst people amongst my friends, amongst my classmates, amongst my, you know, teammates on my sport teams and my coaches and all teachers and all of that. I wanted to fit in and to be loved. And 
here I am going to church and pretending and professing to be a Christian, but like I'm living totally, totally in darkness. So for you, like your attendance of going to the church and doing that on a weekly basis, like that was like the, I'm a Christian, you know? Yeah. That was my, like, that was what I was connecting to at Mm -hmm. that time was like, man, you know, but I knew inside, like I knew inside, especially as I was getting older and older, like I'm not really a Christian. Like, I'm living really, really bad, you know, and I would see my parents pray and cry. Man, it would mess me up because I was like, man, I'm not praying and crying. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not definitely not praying and crying, but I'm not I'm not I'm not on that level that they're on. Like they're over here trying to like whatever. And I'm pretending to be. But like they don't know that I'm looking at pornography. They don't know that I'm living in sin. They don't know that I'm obsessed with the world. And they don't know that I have hatred. Like, my dad doesn't know that I have hatred towards him. Wow. Like, they had no idea that I was depressed, you know? And people might be like, oh, how can you be depressed at such a young age? Man, I, when I was in middle school, I was depressed. Because when I was at school, I would be happy and full of life and funny and, and outgoing. I'd come home and it was like darkness would come over me. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm back home with my siblings that I don't care for and i bully with my mother that i have i'm disrespectful to with my father that's not there because he's working Mm -hmm. it was just a real bad equation and i just was like okay well you know god i don't know you know i don't know what, what what this is about but i was just like going through the motions at that age so i had an encounter um time kept going i think eighth grade i was about 13 years old it was um, I went to California. So all of my dad's side of the family and mom's side of the family were living in California at that time. And um, and um, what happened was um, I went to uh, California and I went to church with my cousins and I wasn't living right. They were, they were trying to live right. I wasn't even trying. I was just living a, a fake life, just being an actor. And we went to church and this guy was preaching about like, like giving your life to Jesus, you know, and I'm over there and I'm like, um, convicted. I'm like 13 years old. I'm convicted. Like, man, I've been living so wrong. Like I, and I, he was like, do you want to like pray? You know, he kind of like was preaching. He's like, you know, pray today that, you know, you'll receive Jesus and stuff. And I was like, I prayed and I, I believed, I think I believed mostly my mind, but I didn't want to give up the lifestyle. Like emotionally, I wanted God, but I guess spiritually, like I wanted the world and I wanted to keep living that lifestyle. And so, but you knew that they couldn't coexist. I knew that they couldn't coexist for sure. And that's why there was such a, I was so depressed. And so at this time, you know, I started having like real deep thoughts. Like, what is the purpose of my life? And I remember thinking, it was mostly when I'd be going to sleep, you know, I, I would go to sleep and I would think like, God, if I'm, if, if you're real, then why am I alive? Like, why am I here? And then I would think like, what's going to happen when it's over? What's going to happen when my life is over? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, I know that there's a heaven because I've heard about it. I know there's a hell because I've heard about it. And I knew like the way I'm living and what I'm doing and what is how I am. It can't go to heaven. Yeah, you're just sowing in the flesh right now. Right. I'm, it's just, I'm in love with the world. And I was like, and I would, there would be nights where I would cry myself to sleep. I would just start crying. 
legitimately like tears flowing down my face and everything like and you're how old at this point i'm probably this is right after middle school 13 14 years old Mm -hmm. and so i'm just like man what's the purpose like why am i living this way you know why am i um you know what's the like mostly it was like man if like when it what's gonna happen when it's over that was like my and it wasn't a fearful thing it was like what's gonna happen like god is real you know and i was like i know he's real you know and um you know i was brought up knowing about god you know i was brought up you know prayed for by people that you know like legitimately i remember when i was a little a young child um actually when i was born my parents um which for the audience out there i don't know if they've heard of richard vernbrand who was a um a man that suffered in communist romania it was a christian that spent i believe 14 years in um the underground uh in in communist prison and suffered and he was really good friends with my both of my parents and their families so when i was born he actually prayed for me he actually prayed for me i guess he prayed for me in hebrew because he was jewish and he loved that my name was jacob which is like a jewish name yeah and um so I had like that and then there was other men men of God like genuine men of God that had a real calling that would pray for me and they're like they would tell my parents like yeah this this man's going to this this little boy one day is going to preach the gospel this little boy one day is going to be a prophet he's going to tell people about Jesus he's going to tell people about you know salvation and my parents would always tell me that, you know, like, you know, you had a, you know, a prophecy when you were young and someone prayed for you and said this and that. And I would be like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But like, that's not what I'm, you know, that I was always like, man, that'll happen later. You know, like uh, that'll happen later. Right. But so here I am, I'm having these, these nights of, of, of unrest, you know, of asking questions of being broken, of wanting jesus and wanting the whole idea of god but feeling so chained and so bound like it was not possible like it was almost like man the idea of me it was the mentality was like i need to get right to reach god i need to do certain things in order to reach god but that was not it and i get into high school and at this point i'm like very popular in the area i used to um like sing like the national anthem before games and uh sing yeah and so i was known for being like talented and i would sing it like all these like um like uh assemblies that we would have my high school is about 1500 people and you know even as like a freshman and sophomore in high school i'm like popular everybody knows who i am and um you know i'm like outgoing um whatever and um Slowly but surely, I got to the point where, like, through high school, um, it just kept getting worse and worse. Depression was worse. The the sin got worse. Darkness got worse. And my relationship with my parents got worse. Wow. And my dad, like, on Saturdays, if he had an off, he would go and work regardless, like, an, mm-hmm. like most immigrant parents. And so he would have off from his work, but he would go do a side job. So who was going to help him? His oldest son, right? And I hated it. I hated it because I was like, man, I want to be hanging out with my friends and hanging out with girls and whatever. It wasn't working, right? So I would do it just because I had to. And then eventually my dad, you know, he was like, oh, you've helped me so much. I want to like, my dad had real love for me, like any father. And so he bought me like um, like a BMW, like a really nice car at like 16 years old. And so I remember driving to high school um, 
I think it was like a couple years later is when we, when I started driving and I had it and stuff and I was so popular. I had like this red BMW convertible. Everybody was like, wow, "Wow, you know, this guy and I'm already the most popular in school and everybody knows me, wants to be my friend. I'm hanging out with girls and I'm the captain of, uh, I play tennis in high school and basketball and I'm, you know, everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows my family because they're like, that's the family that's immigrants that have seven kids, you know? Mm. And it got to the point where, man, it was, there was a, a, a there was a, a moment um, that I want to share that I had a dream one night, and in the dream, I think I'm, this was about when I was like a junior in high school. I had a dream that I was at my own funeral. Mm. I was literally at my own funeral in my dream, and I could see myself, and I'm in my casket. The casket's open, and I can see my body, and I'm dead in the casket. And while I'm dreaming, I'm thinking like, where is everybody? Where are all my friends? Where are all my teachers, classmates? Where are all the girls that I'm flirting with and, you know, whatever, all this stuff? Where are these people? Nobody was there but my family. And my parents were weeping by my casket. And my siblings were weeping. And I'm watching myself. And I'm like, I'm dead. And the people that I think are going to be there are not there. It was like life-altering. And I remember waking up and I was like, what am I like? What, what's going on with my life? And so senior year comes along. I'm the most popular. That dream didn't really change anything. It just made me realize like, look, bro, you're not what you're aiming for and and trying to gather together is not doing anything. And so senior year, I remember I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't know what I was going to do if I was going to go to college. You know, I wanted to, my desire was to be like a singer in the world and like get, become like the next star. I was always watching like American Idol back then and trying to be like whatever everyone would tell me, like, you can do it. You can do it. Everyone was supporting me. And, um, I remember senior year, I won prom King. I, w- I went to, you know, I was, yeah, it was a big deal. Cause it was like the biggest accolade you could get at that yeah, time. Right. And so all the girls and everybody was like, you know, it was madness you know and i was i felt on top of the world but guess what even that day that night after prom after winning prom king the moment i got home back to depression back to emptiness back to wondering like what's the purpose of life and so at this point um i graduate high school all my friends go to college everyone's going to like you know different colleges in oregon uh, universities and stuff like that and um, I'm like, man, I'll just go to community college. I don't know what to do with my life. My parents are like, oh, you should become an electrician. You know, your dad's in, my mom's like, your dad's an electrician. You should just do what he's doing. That's good money. It's a stable job. And I was like, no, I'm trying to be a superstar. I'm trying to be a, a R&B a recording artist, you know. And so at that time, I had started partying um, and getting into like the party scene where there was alcohol, there was drugs, there was women and there was a real good friend of mine and he, he wanted to like move out of his parents' home. And so we planned together that he was going to move out. I was going to move out and we we're going to get an apartment. He was going to pursue like a business opportunity and I was going to pursue music. And I remember like, I can't wait. I had these, like I, I had a, I had these, this uh, plan that I was going to have like tattoos 
because uh, my parents taught me like you can't get you know no piercings no tattoos and so i was like man i'm gonna get my ears pierced and i'm gonna get a tattoos so i'm gonna get like a lips like lips on the side of my <laughs> neck that was real popular back then this is 2008 yeah. 2009 and so 2008 and so i'm like and i'm gonna get like I'm just going to be there. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to take over the world. Like I'm doing this. I'm going to be like the next superstar, you know? Yeah. And that, that was the plan. And so I was still living with my parents. I ended up graduating high school. And at this point it's like, it's over. Like I remember the next school year came around. So I'm a freshman in college and I, I went to community college Nobody knows me at the community college. They don't know how popular I am. They don't know that I was prom king. They don't know that I was the most coolest guy and every, everyone wanted to be my friend. I'm just a regular person. I got classmates that are in their 30s, you know? I'm like, right. and so I remember I went to college for a term. I got my first job and I was just going through the motions. But in my heart, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make it. Like, I'm going to become a superstar, this and that. Sure enough, depression was at the, at the worst. It was to the point where the idea of death was received. Wow. Not necessarily suicide because I knew that if I committed suicide, I go, it's a one way ticket. Right. You know, it was like suicide. Plus I was like, man, I can't kill myself. Like I'm, but I was like, man, if I get in a car accident and I die, it'll all be over. Mm-hmm. All the pain, all the hatred, all the hurt, all the emptiness, it'll just go. But then I, the, then it was reality with him. Like, yeah, but then I'm going to go to hell anyway. Like, I'm going to be, and the reality of hell, it wasn't a fear. The reality of hell was knowing I'm not going to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that scared me because I wanted to be with him. I wanted to know Jesus. I had an encounter when I was 16. Just really, really quick, I want to share this. We went to a Romanian Pentecostal church, and there was this African man there. He was from Congo, and the Lord was, like, really using this man. He was, like, a, an evangelist. And my family was waiting to go get prayed for. And I'm living like really bad right now. And I remember feeling conviction. And we go in the front and the man, I remember I prayed in my mind, just in my mind. I was like, God, I want to give my life to you. We get up in the front. This man, he like prays and he looks at me with these like black eyes, but like full of mercy. And he's like, you told God that you want to give your life to him. Wow. And I was like... (laughs) man the like literally my eyes just broke tears like streamed out of my eyes and i couldn't stop crying i mean it was i was like so touched like how does this man know you know and so he prayed for me he prayed for me right there his name was ogi he was a, a a brother from africa and that encounter actually stuck with me and that would make me remember like you told god you're gonna give your life to him because the next day i fell into sin again it didn't last, mm. but the emotional or the spiritual encounter that I had was was real, and so that lasted with me. So let's go back to fast forward. Um, I drop out of college. I'm like, I'm not. This is not for me. I'm 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 a R and B superstar. I'm not gonna be a. I'm not gonna be a. You know, associates. I don't need an associate's degree. <laughs> and so, what happens is my dad's like, Hey, you want to go to California? to um visit family i'm like yeah vacation why not i i spent time with my dad even though i hated him because i needed to spend time with him like it was a love-hate relationship so we go to california and i'm hanging out with my cousins they know that i'm in the world and they're like hey let's go to you let's go to a prayer meeting there's a prayer meeting tonight i'm like prayer meeting i'm like well who's gonna be there they're like what's gonna be a lot of people i'm like yeah are are there young people i was trying to get to the 
idea like are there going to be pretty girls there right, you know right. so i was like man are there young people there like yeah and there's going to be a lot of like young girls too like i'm like oh are, you know like are they pretty he's like yeah they're like man they're so they're so pretty and all this stuff i'm like Shh, sign me up like yeah all right so i put on my tightest shirt that i had you know to try to show off my muscles and i did my hair how i'd always would i'm like i'm going there and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get some girls numbers like they, they never met a guy like me that was my mentality <laughs> like i'm like these romanian pentecostal girls never met a guy like me so i go there we go up to this house huge house this is like in riverside california this is 2009 february 9th 2009 we get to this house huge and we walk up in there and there's like this huge room and there's like cars everywhere when we get in there. We walk up in the house and there's like, I kid you not, 100 to maybe 150 people in this house. Crammed. Just crammed. And we get there and we're late. I don't know why we were late. We get there, we're late. And we walk up in there and we're in the kitchen. The entry like was through the kitchen to this like great room. And I remember looking in there and people are like praying, like crying out to God, Pentecostal style, like you know, everyone is praying in unison. People are praying in, in, in tongues and crying out to God. And people are lifting their hands and tears in their eyes. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, I back up. I'm like, I'm not going in there. Like, so I'm like, I'm just going to stay in the kitchen. So my cousins, there was no room for them either. So they stayed in the kitchen with me too. So they start praying. They finish the prayer or they're praying. They finish the prayer. And then um, they talk a little bit. And then they start singing songs. They had the accordions and they were singing and I knew some of the songs because I had been brought up in that. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they get back and the, another guy preaches and then praying again. And it got to the point where um, I started getting convicted, like in my heart. I'm sitting there and I'm convicted. I'm thinking about my life. It's almost like a movie is playing in my mind of all my sin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? this all these different things and i'm getting convicted and i'm like god and i'm like my heart is getting soft like as i'm there and so i'm sitting there and i'm thinking like okay no but the 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 purpose why i'm here is for girls like this is not for (laughs) this is not for whatever but like i couldn't fight it the conviction was so strong Mm -hmm. and i knew it was the lord i knew it wasn't just whatever so then at one point this guy stands up that's in the prayer meeting and he's like all the young people come in the front. And uh, we, we want to pray for all the young people. All the young people come in the front. You know? And so my cousins, I had like three cousins, they all just, and they went in the front. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, don't leave me behind. You know? And I was still in the kitchen. So they go in the front and they start praying. And they're like crying out to God. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, like the conviction is like maxed out. I'm like, I am a sinner and I need I need God. Like, I need Jesus. But I'm like, I'm not going in the front. I'm not. Then my aunt comes, and my aunt's like, you don't want to come in the front? She comes up to me, and she's like, you don't want to come in the front? I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. And she's like, really? Your whole life can change. And when she said those words, it was like, that was the the hope. Nice. That was it right there. It was like, wow, my whole life can change? And I, I thought to myself, like, I've been wanting to change my whole life. I was like, I, I wanted to change my whole life. So I, I walk up in there. I kid you not. I'm a loud guy. Everybody know. Everybody knows me. Knows I can be real loud. Yeah. 
especially back then i would i I was the loudest cheering for uh anything but god and i go up in there and i'm like i'm gonna pray in my mind that way they don't know when i'm praying so i go up in there and i'm like i'm I'm not praying with my mouth my mouth is not moving it's just my mind and i'm just like god if you're you know i go up in there and this guy he lays hands on me and he prophesies to me and he prophesies like my life the moment he said amen and finished the prophecy a fountain erupted a volcano erupted i started crying out to jesus so hard like all the pain and all the hurt and the anger and the hatred and the lust and all the emptiness everything i had i just cried out to jesus as loud as i could to the point where i think people stopped praying because i was so loud and i just but it was from my heart it wasn't to be seen it wasn't to impress anybody it wasn't to make it look like i was somebody it was genuinely the heart cry of a sinner realizing that love was being presented to him that love was being offered to him and i took and found the love that i had been looking for my whole life in that moment i found the love that I had been looking for for 19 years that I couldn't find in my father, that I couldn't find in my mother, that I couldn't find in my classmates or girls or friends or school, I found it in Jesus in that moment. And it was undeniable. The presence of God filled me and I was just, I was done. It was like, so I pr- we prayed, the prayer went on for like a half hour and I got done and I felt like I took a bath, like a spiritual bath. And my dad was there at the prayer meeting. Mm. And this is how I know that it was real. When I looked at my dad, I started crying. And I realized that that was my dad. And the hatred that I had was gone. There was no more hatred towards my dad. I went and hugged him, kissed him. Everyone's around me. They're congratulating me. They're like, yes. (laughs) Because they knew I was like a little troubled with my hair and how I was dressed. Yeah. And it was amazing, man. It was like, I, f- I finally found what I had been looking for. And they were like, well, now you got to get filled with the spirit. And I was like, what is that? And they're like, you got to speak in tongues. And yeah. I'm like, I want that. I'm like, I want it. Let's do it. So the next night, we ended up meeting at my aunt's house for prayer. It was a lot smaller. It was maybe like 30 of us versus like 100. And we go up in there and I get on my knees and I'm like, I don't know how to speak in tongues or pray in tongues and i just started praying to god and five and within five minutes i'm praying in tongues like like it was just flow like a river like you know where jesus says like those that believe on me out of their belly or out of their inward part will flow rivers of living water that's literally what it was it was like water just flowing out of me and i remember it was like three-hour prayer i'm not joking non-stop my shirt was drenched in sweat yeah. and i remember they were like here give let's give you a new shirt i'm like i'm not taking like this is my shirt like this is like i i need this shirt like let me hold on to it and i remember during the prayer i didn't know what it was but it was like images were coming to my mind and i believe that they were like visions from the lord and i remember there was a vision that i had that really has stuck with me and it was me as a Roman soldier with a hammer in my hand. And I'm beating nails into a man's hands. And I look and it's Jesus on a cross. And I, I saw his face. 
I really believe I saw his face. I can't describe how it looks necessarily, but his eyes were so full of mercy. And I remember seeing that and just being like overwhelmed. And then I had another uh, vision of heaven, of like a heavenly choir. And there was like angels and there was like the whitest white. Like it was a white that I cannot even describe with human terms. And it was gold. And it was like there was singing this song in the vision. There was a song being sung, a melody, which I don't know if it was a actual words being sung or if it was just a like a melody like a a instrumental or a humming or what it was Mm. i can't describe it i don't remember exactly how it was but it was so i mean it was beyond human comprehension it was like some real deep stuff and i remember just being like i want to be a part of that like i want to be a part of that and then i remember seeing like I had heard about Stephen in the Bible, how he was stoned, you know, for Jesus. And I remember picturing myself being stoned for Jesus. And I was like, Lord, I'll die for you. Mm. Like, I will give my life to you. I will do whatever you want me to do. And I got up off that prayer and everybody was telling me, like, God is going to use you. Like, you're going to be used by God. And my life changed. Jesus changed my life. The love I had been looking for all my life, and I tell people, everybody this, I had been looking for love all my life from so many people, and I finally found it in the, in the one that is love himself, and that's Jesus Christ. I found love and fulfillment, and my life changed, and I changed. I didn't want to be on uh, social media at that time. There was like MySpace. I don't know if you remember oh, that, man. and I was real popular on MySpace. I was like... Immediately, I went and changed. They had the profile song back then. I changed my profile song to a Christian song. I changed everything. I'm like, I'm trying to tell people about Jesus. Like, my life changed. I didn't want to be with my friends anymore. Um, I hung hung out in California after that for like maybe like a week. And I was going to prayer meeting every night. I'm like, I want as much of Jesus. I would just go to prayer meeting and just pray in tongues and like experience God. And I was like trying to live different. And everyone around me was like, they couldn't believe it, you know, because yeah. they were like, we know who this, how he used to be. And now look at him. And I went back home and I remember I got my mom, because it was my mom and my siblings were all at home. So me and my dad went back home and I remember the first time we prayed with as a family and they saw like, and heard me like praying in tongues and like crying out to God. And they were like blown away. Here's this guy that was mean, a bully, you know. Uh, full of anger, hatred, you know, that would uh, break stuff if he got angry. You know, I remember because I, I was really into video games in the world. And if my mom asked me for like anything, like, can you come and help set up the table to it'd be like, ah! <laughs> you know, World War Three yeah, or whatever. Controller, yeah, right. controllers and all that. And I would yell and hit my siblings and I was whatever. And they saw that I something changed. Something changed. I was different. Yeah, and not, so that's something that you could do for yourself. No, it had to be of God. It, yeah. it was no, it was undeniable. It was, of, it was of God. And I remember I went back to my friends and they're like, all right, man, like you're back from California. All right, let's go party. Let's go to this. Cause they had these clubs back then that were like under 21. Like, let's go to the club and whatever. I'm like, man, I gave my life to Jesus. He changed my life. I'm done with that stuff. They're like, come on. Like we need you. We need you. And I'm like, I'm not doing that no more. Mm-hmm. And, it was then that I started my walk, February 9th, 2009, 
2009, everything changed. Hallelujah. So, so that was Jacob Grozov. This is his part one of how everything changed. Um, stay tuned for episode number two. But we're going to be talking into his part two of how Jesus walked with him and uh, what events happened from then. So, yeah, this is Once Everything Changed. Uh, my name is Sergey, and thank you for listening. Stay tuned in the next episode. Jesus is mine wherever I go because I know where to go when I gotta be If you would like to share your testimony or get in touch with today's guest, please send an email to share at onceeverythingchanged.com. For more podcast episodes, you can visit onceeverythingchanged.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.